0: good morning and welcome to worship the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of god and the communion of the holy spirit be with you all our holy gospel today is from the ninth chapter of john glory Glory to you O lord Lord. i certainly give you um i I certainly give you um, permission to sit if you'd like again this is a extended reading today it's 41 verses so Uh, If you tire in the midst of this reading, please feel free to sit. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva, and put it on the man's eyes, told him to wash in the pool of Shilom, which actually means scent. And so the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. His neighbors and those who were formerly seeing him as a beggar asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am he. And then then how were his eyes opened? And he replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Shiloh and wash. And so I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the eyes of the blind was the Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him, How have you received your sight? He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. How can a sinner do such miraculous things? And so they were divided. Finally they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? is your eye is it was your eyes he opened and the man replied he is a prophet and the Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents is this your son they asked is this the one who they say was born blind how is it that he can now see we know he is our son the parents answered and we know that he was born blind but how he came to how he now came to see How his eyes were opened, we don't know. Ask him, he is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. And that was why his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know I was blind, but now I see. And then they asked him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I told you already. You did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become disciples too? And then they hurled insults at him and said, You are the fellow's disciple. You are we are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that, is, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man blind, born, born blind. If this man was from God, he could do not, If this man was not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, "You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you de- lecture us?" And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, "Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir?" The man asked. "Tell me, so that I may believe in him." Jesus said, "You have now seen. In fact, he is the one speaking with you." And then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into the world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with heard him say this, and they asked, What? Are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. The Gospel of our Lord i invite you to uh, pray with me the holy spirit prayer in our time of meditation this morning let us pray come holy spirit and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love send forth your spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth O god who by the light of the holy spirit who instructs the hearts of the faithful grant that by the same holy spirit we may be made truly wise and ever rejoice in your consolations. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. It occurred to me this week that uh, three years ago, it was on this week, just prior to this Sunday, that the church council met And we voted as a church council to discontinue all large group gatherings here at Mount Olive. Kind of a distant memory now, isn't it? It was the very beginning. It was the beginning of those restrictions that we were putting in place regarding social distancing. And those restrictions would persist for quite some time. We simply did not meet for worship. Sunday mornings came around and this sanctuary was empty. It was on this Sunday 3 years ago that we had worship but we had le- we had worship through the lens of a cell phone camera and through the lens of live stream worship on Facebook. This entire sanctuary it was empty. And I was right here. And Jennifer was about right there, socially distanced. And she had made this makeshift uh, tripod, and she had her cell phone. And somehow she had jerry-rigged the cell phone so that it could be mounted on the tripod right there. Bryant was there, and Steve Philo was the congregation. He sat over there, and of course Paul was in the back in the cell booth. That 's all the, all the people that were here, and it was that way, and it went on that way for months. You never did really get the full sense of the effect of that you know you had, you had to be here to, to really experience it, uh, and so unfortunately, you weren't here, you were here, but you were out there in the live stream world. you know it 's amazing how we have made a hyper jump you know from uh, a, a, a cell phone camera to now having these, all these three mounted uh, high, highly high, high def cameras that are mounted up on the ceiling, and you know are you know got multiple angles to shoot from, and and we got a brand new soundboard, and we got sophisticated computers back there, and we've got all the technology that we know how, and we know everything that there is to know about live streaming and about how to communicate with YouTube and facebook and have this out there all over the place it really was a time it really was a time of a a lot of uncertainty for all of us uh we were we were we were going down paths that we had never gone down before and it was a it was a tremendous time of uh of anxiety um uncertainty um and uh, a lot of discovery a lot of discovery I'm not sure if you remember the specifics of that particular sermon that day. It was on this passage. Uh, but I, I just want to briefly bring back to you what actually happened on that Sunday, just to kind of relive it a little bit. Uh, you were in the comfort of your own homes. So you probably don't remember that. But, uh, and I asked you in the comfort of your own homes to actually take some time to close your eyes. I even asked you to maybe put your hands over your eyes to really get the full effect of what it's like to really be in complete darkness. And then I began to suggest to you, um, and I spent some time in my message, uh, walking you through and asking you to imagine uh, what, it might like, might, what it might feel like to be blind. And I provided you with some imaginative statements and to help uh, you put yourself into that context of feeling or being blind. And that was that beginning of that journey for us. And again, it was a journey that was filled with all kinds of uncertainty, fear, uh, anxiety, a sense of the unknown. Um, I I think that this passage today really kind of really matches the, the context of the time because... You know, here there's all this questioning going on. You know, well, what's the right thing to do? Well, how are we supposed to try and keep ourselves safe? Well, who should we listen to? Who's the proper authority? Who's the ones who knows exactly what we really need to do to, you know, really keep ourselves safe? And, well, do I really need to wear a mask? And, well, I'm not going to listen to them, and I'm not going to wear a mask because I don't feel like I need to wear a mask. I mean, it was just all this stuff. All these mixed messages that just kept flying at us from all over the place. We didn't know what was right and what wasn't right. We didn't know what was true and what wasn't true. There was so much insanity. It truly was a time of anxiety and fear and and uncertainty and a sense of the unknown. And it was also a time in which we had lost a sense of community. We were entering into a time of blindness of loneliness, of separateness. And it seems strangely, it seems strangely appropriate that we were entering into this time of uncertainty and separateness with this story of this blind man having the difficulty of seeing Jesus in the midst of the story. You know, as I mentioned last week, these stories that we've been listening to for the last three weeks, they are all unique to the Gospel of John. And we know that this story, we know this story, and we know this story so well. Even though this story only comes around every three years, we know this story. And part of the reason why we know the story so well is because of all the Drama. There's so much drama going on in this story. It's almost as if all the drama, all the negativity, and all the questioning of the validity of his healing, it's almost as if that is what dominates the core of this story. There is so much here in these 41 verses. And as my good friend David Loes would say, what is a preacher to do? Well, you go with how the Spirit's leading you. And so this is how the Spirit's leading me this week. One of the things that stands out for me in this story today is the realization that this blind man, even though he was healed, even though his sight was restored, he never really fully was restored to community. He was never truly restored to a sense of community. I mean, the people who witnessed it and who saw it, the people, they didn't even rejoice with Him. They didn't celebrate. They weren't happy for Him. All of those things that you would think would naturally happen because someone had experienced a miracle. I mean, what would it be like if someone from our congregation had been blind all of their lives and all of a sudden be, it made, they, they were able to see? Wouldn't we as a community, wouldn't we come around that person and celebrate with them and be happy for them and just to encourage them and just be so happy the fact that they could be a part of us with, because they could now see And have that wonderful gift that all of us have. I mean, most of his life, he lived as an outsider. He was a nobody. He was an unproductive participant of the social, cultural, and religious life. And in many respects, he was simply invisible. He never really had any kind of sense of community. He was not seen by the people around him. And even if he was noticed, he was an outcast. He was a nobody. And the ironic thing about this entire encounter in this story is that even after he's fully restored with his sight, the legitimacy the legitimacy of his sight being restored is placed under the microscope and it is questioned. It's almost as if he was being put on trial and asked to prove the validity of his being healed. And ultimately, because of that, once again, what happened to him? He was cast out. His sense of restoration to community never really happened. And it is at this juncture in the story, it is at this very juncture in the story where Jesus seeks him out and basically takes him under his wing and helps him to have a sense of belonging and to have a sense of restoration and wholeness. And this is where the greater context, this is where the greater context of this story really needs to be taken into its its fullness and its wholeness. Because even though this is the end of chapter 9, the story doesn't stop here. Now, I'm not going to take the time to actually read chapter 10 or portions of chapter 10 to you, but I am going to ask you to go back home today and take a few moments and perhaps pick up where this story leaves off at the end of chapter 9, and then read on. Because the actual restoration to community actually happens for the blind man after chapter 9. You have to keep on reading. And some, uh, a, a professor from Luther Seminary, her name is Kath, Carolyn Lewis, uh, she says that you really have to keep on reading into chapter ten, and and she asks a very important question: What does healing really mean for the man who was born blind? She says you got to keep on reading because Jesus keeps on talking. And one of the things that he starts talking about is he, talks, he brings in these new images and he brings in these new metaphors about being the shepherd of the sheep. And he talks about you know, becoming a part of the fold and coming in and about the, the sheep who listen to the, the shepherd's voice and, that the, and that, the shepherds, that the sheep hear the shepherd's voice. You see, this blind man lived his entire life as an outcast. And now he'd been outcast again. Could it be Could it be that this restored blind man is the one? One of the things that Jesus talks about in chapter 10 is he talks about all those others out there, all those other sheep yet that need to be brought into the fold. Could Jesus be talking about this blind man as being one of those other sheep that still needs to be brought back into the fold? Carolyn Lewis, she says that these words of chapter 10... They offer words of protection and provision and pasture. They they offer words of abundant life, relationship, and belonging. And it begs the question, when I think about it, it begs the question whether or not this blind man, did this blind man ever, even At all during his life, did he even have a glimpse or an inkling of what that might be like for him? Had he even began to imagine during his life what it must have been like to actually know what it meant to have protection and to have provision and to have abundant life and to have relationships and to have community? I think the fundamental question for me is, what does healing mean? And it's not just being cured of his blindness but it is a healing and it is a wholeness that's being offered to him that's what the true healing is it's the healing and the wholeness that's being offered to him into chapter 10 that we have to hear beyond chapter 9 it's really not complete yet yes it does start at the end of chapter 9 it starts with the actual believing but the fullness of that relationship that Jesus offers it is what happens in chapter 10. Where Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it to its fullness. I really do believe that the most important aspect of this story and of this encounter is, is that Jesus saw the man. And we need to be reminded of that again today. That God sees us. Even when other people don't, even when everybody else did not see this man, Jesus saw him. Professor Joy Moore, also at Luther Seminary, she says, In the midst of despair, in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of blindness, in the midst of need and loss, Jesus sees the person. And he sees the person as a child of God. Not only does Jesus heal him of his physical blindness, but he invites him into the fold to be taken into the community that Christ offers and says come and be a part of my flock come and listen to my voice and follow my voice and come to be restored and be a part of the community that you've always meant to be a part of and have that sense of wholeness that you can have only by being a part of the being a part of my flock and I believe those are the words that Jesus is speaking to us today. That Jesus is looking at every single one of us in these words from this gospel today. And if you read on into chapter 10, you'll hear it even stronger. He's saying, I see you. I see you for who you are. Just as I have seen Nicodemus, just as I see the Samaritan woman, and now today, just as I see this man born blind from birth. I see you, and I see you for who you are as a child of God. And I'm inviting you into the fold, into the flock, where you will be loved, where you will be accepted, where you will experience restoration and given a sense of wholeness. That is what Jesus invites us to today. Amen. I invite you to join me as we pray together the prayer our Lord has taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. For thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and truth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespass as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. May God, who has called us forth from the dust of the earth and claimed us as children of the light, strengthen you on your journey into life renewed. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. March with the cross of Christ. Go forth to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.